I want to preach one of my favorites uh, is Jehoshaphat. I love the praise and worship this morning. And uh, I just want to teach this morning on what I have come to realize is a very powerful principle. Um, it's sort of one of those principles. How are you guys doing? Good to see you. All the old faces. Uh, it's one of those principles uh, that sometimes you've got to learn the hard way. I, I always love it when I listen to preachers. They say when young preachers preach, they say, I heard this, I saw this, I watched it, I YouTubed it or whatever it is these days. Uh, older pastors seem to go, been there, done that, got the battle scars. And sometimes there's some principles we learn in life and we learn the hard way. And I want to talk about one of the principles from the life of Jehoshaphat. And just to give you some background about King Jehoshaphat, he was an incredibly powerful king in Judah. Um, the name Jehoshaphat literally means Yahweh has judged. If you're taking notes today, write that down because it's important. I'll talk a little bit about it later. But it literally means Yahweh has judged. If you have your Bibles in Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 17, verse 3, it says this. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father David, but he did not seek the Baals. Let me just stop there for a moment. How many of you love doing daily devotions? How many of you love praying in the morning? Do you know the thing that I love about devotions is that every morning you can choose who's going to mentor you. You could wake up and say, I want to be mentored by Jesus this morning. I want to be mentored by Elijah this morning. I want to be mentored by King David. I want to be mentored by Paul. Every morning we get to have wisdom put into our lives because of the Word of God. And the Bible says about King Jehoshaphat, he walked in the ways of David. David was six generations uh, before him, and he literally chose to allow King David and the life of King David to be a mentor to him. He walked in the ways of his father, David. Verse 5 says, Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah gave presents to Jehoshaphat, and he had riches and honor in abundance. Verse 12 says this, So Jehoshaphat became increasingly powerful, and he built fortresses and storage cities in Judah. Verse 13, He had much property in the city of Judah, and men of war, mighty Men of valor. How many mighty men of valor do we have in the house today? I heard a few ladies say, how many mighty men do we have in the house today? That's pathetic. Mighty men that were in Jerusalem. Father, I just pray in the next few moments you're going to speak to us. You're going to minister to us. Lord, not my words, but your words. Father, you know every heart, you know every life, you know every person right now. And I just pray, Lord, you're just going to speak into hearts and into lives right where they're at. Lord, you're going to meet the needs of people today. Lord, that more than anything else, that when we leave this place, we're going to know we've had an encounter with you. And so, Father, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. 
Jehoshaphat was literally a very powerful king. He had wealth, he had riches, he had a large army, and, and in many ways he was incredibly powerful. But the Bible says on this occasion, and if you know this story, um, that one day he hears news of a formidable army. Obviously, that was much bigger than his. It was more powerful than his. And it literally brought fear into his life. Have you ever had some news that something happening or something's going on? And when you get that news, it literally causes you to stop. And your heart shudders. It literally strikes fear in your heart. And Jehoshaphat was like this in all his doing and all his ruling. He gets this word that there is an army coming. And we find this in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 verse 1. And it says, after this, the Moabites. Again, if you've got your Bibles, highlight that word Moabite. If you've got a pen, write it down. The Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Menuites, all the ites were coming at them. He came to make war on Jehoshaphat. And some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Eden, from the other side of the sea. It is already in Hazatamah, that is in Gedi. And the Bible says this in verse 3, alarmed. I love that, alarmed. Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and proclaim a fast for all of Judah. Here he was, a powerful king with a powerful army. He had wealth, fortune, he had it all. But all of a sudden, this news comes and it strikes panic in his heart. It strikes, it strikes absolute fear in his life. And what I love about this, instead of calling a crisis meeting, instead of gathering all the men of war together, what he resolved to do was to inquire of God. Can I ask you this morning, when panic comes, when crisis comes, who do you run to? Do you run here? Do you run there? Trying to get advice here. How many of you run to God? He resolved to inquire of God. I love this because when his heart was overcome, he went to the overcoming God. When his heart was overwhelmed, he went and inquired of the omnipotent, all-powerful, almighty God. When you face a crisis, who do you run to? When trouble comes, when difficulties come, who do you run to? He, he resolved to inquire of the Lord. And it says this in verse 4, the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. I love that. And, you know, we often, it may sound like a cliche, but how many of you know one word from God can really change everything? One word from God, one promise from God can, can get us to see the whole thing in a whole different perspective. And they resolve to inquire. They resolve to pray. They resolve to come and hear from God. Do you know something that I've understood is that when the greatest thing that you can do in crisis is to cry out to God. 
inquire of God. It says Jehoshaphat in verse 5 stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem and the temple of the Lord in front of the courtyard. And he said, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this army that's attacking us. I don't know where you're at today, but you may be facing that crisis. We prayed for people with cancer today. Sometimes, you know, in the world's eyes, that can be a death sentence. But how many of you know with God, it can be a life sentence that God says, I can heal. And sometimes when we come before God, things may seem overwhelming. And he says, we do not know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. All the men of Judah, their wives, their children, the little ones stood there before the Lord. Do you know, I always tell our church, I wasn't brought up in the church. I was dragged up in the church. My mom and dad were pastors and we went to every meeting. I can remember as a child sleeping under the chair. We'd have all night prayer meetings. We'd pray. And every meeting we would be at. We would be under the, wherever we would be. But I always say we weren't brought up. We were dragged up. And, and I just, you know, that put such a good foundation in my heart. I love it. Here's a prayer meeting. Everybody's there. The men, the women, the children. Everybody come. And they stood in the presence of God. I've discovered and I've learned the hard way. Some people say I'm a slow learner, but I've learned the hard way. The best position to take in the midst of a crisis is the stance of prayer, is to come before God. The greatest battle stance of a Christian in the time of crisis is to stand and stand firm. Ephesians 6, you know, well, verse 10 says, finally, be strong in the Lord. Can I tell you, I don't know what you're facing and I don't know what you're going through. And people may be saying, hey, just be strong. It's going to be. How many of you know God never said you had to be strong? He said we can be strong in his strength, in his might. We can stand in His might and His power. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Therefore, put on the full armor. So when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after doing everything to stand, stand firm. I love that. The greatest battle stance you can take is to stand and face God and say, God, we don't know what to do. God, I can't do this in my own strength. But God, I just thank you right now. I'm going to stand in your strength and in your might. And how many of you have discovered that when you pray, God answers? God comes. Here they were, a a vast army's coming, fears in their heart. God, we don't know what to do. We're just coming and we're going to pray and we're going to seek you. And 2 Chronicles chapter 20 verse 14 says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, son of Jeel, all these guys, Levi. And he said, listen, king, in verse 15, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. Here's a word for you today. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but it's God. I've discovered a secret in life. When you fight, God rests. 
When you rest in God, God fights for you. How many of you know sometimes we get so caught up trying to sort everything out, trying to deal with it. How am I going to cope? How are we going to trying to work it all out? But I've learned when you fight, God rests. But when you rest in God, God fights the battle for you. You see, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, we have to understand God wants to be your deliverer. You know, the very word uh, Yeshua, it literally means to rescue. It means to deliver. How many of you know Jesus came as our warrior? He came as our deliverer. He came to deliver us and rescue us in the times of crisis. And as they inquired of God, the prophet said to King Jehoshaphat, the battle's not yours, but it's God. Sometimes, and I say it again, just one word can clarify, can put things into perspective. One word from God can turn the entire conflict about. It says in verse 16, tomorrow march down against them. They will be climbing up the pass of Ziz, and you'll find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. What a prophetic word. Isn't it great? How many of you have had a prophetic word right at the right time? How many of you have had a word over your life that God has spoken destiny? God has spoken purpose over your life. And sometimes in a world that maybe we're not knowing where to go or what to do, all of a sudden it brings clarity into our lives. All of a sudden they receive this word. You know, one of the things that I understand about the prophetic, I love the prophetic. But you know, I believe when that prophetic word comes, it needs to be backed by Scripture. It needs to be confirmed by Scripture. Sometimes people can get a word and they're running off and have no thought about what it is. But how many of you know God always reaffirms and re, you know, he, 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 he assures us of His word. He reminds us. And so when King Jehoshaphat, now I don't know if you can imagine this. I've got a vision. And I can imagine, here was King Jehoshaphat. Here were the people, the armies coming, the armies approaching. It's getting closer and closer. And here they are. They get this word from God. Do not be afraid. Stand still. And you know, I believe that there was something within the heart of Jehoshaphat that when he heard that word, he realized, hey, 
This isn't just a word out of the blue. How many of you know what God's done for others? He can do for you. You know, God gave Moses the same word when they were out of Egypt, when they were being attacked. Let me read in Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. It says, Moses answered the people. Again, here they were. They, they were beaten for the Egyptian, uh, the Israelites. They were beaten. They were bruised. They, they were, they had been just absolutely mistreated. And now they have the Egyptian army coming at them. And the word from God is this. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stay. Don't you hate it when your pastor says, hey, don't worry. <laughs> Keep cool. Don't panic. What? You don't know what I'm facing. You don't know what I'm going through. But God said to Moses as well, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. You see, Jehoshaphat could take great comfort in that word because God had done it before. And what God says, God will do. And just as he did it for Moses, all of a sudden he realized that God could do it for them. How many of you have realized probably the two most difficult things to do in a crisis? And just if I can say this, my wife thinks I'm ADD. I don't think I am, but oh, no, <laughs> I, I don't think I, I don't think I get distracted easily. But how many of you do you've realized the two most difficult things to do in a crisis is to stand still and not be afraid? Because how many of you know our natural instincts is either to fight or to flight? And often when there's an overwhelming thing, we just want to run for the hills. We just want to get out of there. And God says, stand still. Be not afraid. Watch me deliver you. Watch me bring the victory that you need in your life. And because of that, it says in verse 18, Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground. Listen to this. And all the people of Judah... And Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. I love that. He prayed, he praised, and then he worshipped. I loved our praise today. How many of you know praise is something that we do corporately? You know, I love it when we can get in a praise and we can go, God is so good. God is so great. What he's done for others. And we can celebrate God. But how many of you have discovered worship is personal? Worship is intimate. That's where we go. Please don't annoy me. I just want to worship God. I don't care who else is in the row. I don't care who stand. Where we can just come and we can just bow before God. I don't know, again, if you can capture this. This army's getting closer and closer, and they are on the floor just worshiping God. They're just praising God. It says in verse 9, some of the Levites and the Kohites and the Korites, they stood up and they praised God. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. And as they set out, Jehoshaphat said, listen to me, Judah and the people of Jerusalem 
Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. You, uh, you will be upheld. Have faith in the prophet, and you will be successful. Can I say this? Something I've learned again over a long time. Two of the most powerful weapons you have is the Word of God and the personal prophetic word you've had over your life. How many of you had a prophetic word over your life? How many God's just spoken destiny into you? God's just spoken purpose over your life? Sometimes when we have that, that word over our life, they become the two most powerful things. Paul said to young Timothy, 1 Timothy 1.18, it says, my, Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them, you may fight the good fight of faith. Can I tell you, I'm probably telling you a lot of things that I've learned. I've got a lot to say. Learned a lot of things. I'm a slow learner. But do you know what I've found? Some of the most major attacks on my life and on our church has been over the prophetic word that God has spoken. How many of you know the devil doesn't want you fulfilling destiny? devil doesn't want you fulfilling the plan and the purpose that God has. I was sitting down with a young guy. Well, not so young. He's my age, but middle, middle age, I'll say. But I was sitting down, and he was just broken, and he, he just said, look, we're, my, my marriage is on the rocks. Things are not good, and, and my wife wants to leave. And he was just absolutely devastated. And we, we got to talk about a whole lot of stuff. And I said to him, I said, has God ever spoken over you guys? Has God ever spoken over your marriage? And he says, he starts laughing. He goes, yeah, God told us that we're going to do marriage seminars. And this guy said, wow. I said, you know, you had a prophetic word. And the enemy's gone after that word. The enemy's tried to destroy the very thing that God has called you to do. Paul says that we fight the good fight by, by laying hold of the prophecies. And as we do, we say, God, I know this is what you've called me to do. God, I know this is your plan. God, I know this is your purpose. And it says by doing that, we fight the good fight of faith. I haven't had a lot of fights, but the only good ones I've had are the ones that I won. How many of you know God wants to win the fight? God wants you to win this battle that you're going through. The biggest battles of your life will be over the prophetic word that God or the promises that God has put in your life. It's interesting for Jehoshaphat. It says the ones that were coming against in this vast army was the Moabites. And I don't know if you remember the story of Balaam, but Balaam the donkey, and God speaks through the donkey it was the Moabites that wanted Balaam to, to prophesy against the children of Israel. He wanted, it was the Moabites that he wanted to curse the children of Israel. And it says in Numbers chapter 22, verse 12, But God said to Balaam, Do not go with them. You must not put a curse on these people. I want you to hear this. Because they are blessed. Can I tell you this morning, how many of you know you are blessed? And if God has blessed you, the devil cannot curse you. He will try. He will try and have his best shot. But if you are blessed, God will make sure that you stay blessed. 
He says, what I've blessed, you cannot curse. These were the very ones that were coming against him. These were the very ones that were trying to bring him down. It says in 2 Chronicles 20, 21, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing and the Lord to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went ahead of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures. He didn't assemble his army. He didn't assemble the warriors. He assembled the praise team. And I want to tell you, they didn't go out singing, We are the champions, my friends, and we'll... I can't sing, but if I could, it would sound great. He didn't sing a victory song. Do you know what they sung? They sung about the splendor of God's holiness. They gave thanks to the Lord. I love that. My prayer last year, I said, God, I want to know what it means to worship in the splendor of your holiness. I want to know what it's like when I'm in the midst of the battle, when I'm in the midst of the crisis, that my focus is not on the problem. My focus is not on the battle, but my focus is on you and the splendor of your holiness. What a great battle plan. What a great battle strategy. Instead of getting ready for to fight, they just began to worship God. They began to declare the goodness of God. They began to say, God, you're so awesome. God, you're so wonderful. God, you're so loving. God, you are so kind. They praised him for the splendor of his holiness. Now, can I ask you, do you know where he got that from? Do you know where Jehoshaphat learned that from? He learned that from his mentor, David. He learned that from his mentor. Uh, King David, Psalm 27, it says in verse 1 of David, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though the army beseech me, my heart will not fear. Though war breaks out against me, even then will I be confident. Psalm 27 verse 4 says, One thing I ask, that I may seek. This is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all my life and gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. Isn't that a great battle plan? Don't run. Don't hide. Just get consumed in the goodness of God. Just begin to focus. How many of you know what you focus on becomes the reality, doesn't it? If you focus on the problem, it just gets bigger and bigger. 
when we focus on God. I, I don't know about you, but I want God to overwhelm me. I want the goodness and the loving kindness of God and the power of God. David said the same. There could be battles going on all around me, but I'm not going to focus on the battle. I'm going to focus on the splendor of God. I'm going to focus on the wonder of God. Psalm 29 verse 2, it says, Ascribe greatness to the Lord. Describe to the Lord the glory that's due to His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Psalm 96 verse 9 says, Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. Verse 10, say to the nations, the Lord reigns. Cancer doesn't reign. Problems don't reign. Finances don't reign. He reigns. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And He's the one we need to have our focus on. He's the one we need to give glory to His name and ascribe greatness to Him. Jehoshaphat understood this instinctively. Let me read the line. Verse 10 says, Say to the nations, the Lord reigns. The word is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Listen to this. He will judge the people with equity. The name Jehoshaphat means God will judge. How many of you know Jehoshaphat knew he didn't have to face the battle? He didn't have to fight the battle. How many of you know God wants to fight for you? God wants to bring healing. God wants to bring health. God wants to bring deliverance in your life. God wants to bring peace into that troubled situation. Jehoshaphat understood that because his name meant God is judged. He understood if God has blessed, no one can curse. I love Ephesians 1, 3. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. How many of you believe that? How many of you believe you're blessed? He has, not he could, not he might. Not if you're lucky, you you, you could get a blessing here and there. How many of you know it's past tense, he has blessed you? He has blessed you. He has blessed you. And what God has blessed No one can curse. So why get overwhelmed by the enemy and his plans when we can get overwhelmed at the splendor and the goodness of God? Here was a corporate gathering. But as they came together, they began to worship. And their worship became intimate. They didn't begin crying out, Oh, God, I can't cope. God, I can't deal with this. God, I don't know what to do. They said, God, we're going to worship in the splendor of your holiness. We're just going to declare your goodness. We're going to declare your grace. We just want to say that you are great and greatly to be praised. First Chronicles 16.34 says, give thanks to the Lord. I don't know what you're facing right now. I don't know what you're going through. As Pastor Karen said, there's some people facing some mighty stuff. But the greatest thing that we can do is just begin to thank God. Thank God for that house. Thank God for those finances. Thank God for that relationship. Thank God for your marriage. Give thanks to the Lord for He's good and His love 
endures forever. He knew exactly what to do in that moment of crisis because he had King David as his mentor. He would have read and understood the heart of David. And how many of you know that as he got lost in the presence of God, he just began to focus on God and the splendor of his holiness. The Bible said God did an amazing thing. They're on their face. They're on their knees. The enemy's coming. And the Bible says as they worshiped, God destroyed the enemy. Let me read it real quick. I'm going to ask the singers and musicians to come. It says, as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The men of Ammon and Moab rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy them and annihilate them. And after they had finished slaughtering the men of Seir, of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to their place that overlooks the desert, and they looked down on the vast army, all they saw was dead bodies. Come on, would you stand with me this morning? How many of you believe God can fight for you? How many of you believe God can bring victory today? God can bring victory in your situation and your circumstance. And we're just going to come. Can we just sing a song of praise? We're just going to just take a moment just to give thanks to God. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. But I know God loves you. I know God cares about you. I know God wants to bring victory in your life. God wants you to be a testimony of his goodness and his grace. So come on, let's just take a moment. Just begin to thank him. Just begin to worship him. Just begin to honor him right now. Just thank him for that healing. Just sense his people here today, you're having relationship issues. Just begin to thank him that he's going to come and intervene. Maybe you're here today and you've got unsafe family. Just begin to thank God. Just begin to say, God, I thank you that we're going to see them in your house worshiping you. We're going to see them serving. We're going to see them faithful in your house. Come on, let's just take a moment and let's worship him.